Hello, everybody. Welcome to Our Healthcare is a Mess, where we discuss why our healthcare is, well, such a mess. Uh, I am your host, India, and today our topic is going to be on racial inequalities, maternal mortality rates in the United States. So, this specific topic has been very controversial, it's been talked about a lot, and the whole pandemic has brought it up way more. Um, There are a lot of different things, not only just racial inequalities and maternity mortality, but also just racial inequalities in the regular world. Um, Race and medicine has been something that has been discussed a lot. And um, I'll tell you this, it is not something that's going to be fixed overnight. It is something that is going to take a lot of time. And I think that with this specific uh, topic, as it pertains to maternal mortality, it's going to have to start with what we like to call structural racism. So racism in itself is a system of oppression, structured to distribute opportunity and wealth based on a person's race and ethnicity. Now, obviously, race in itself is something we're going to discuss a little later, but structural racism, which is something that relates a lot to maternal mortality, is something that has been um, associated with preterm birth and infant mortality and is defined as the direct and vicarious day-to-day treatment mistreatment actually, experience personally based on a person's race and or ethnicity. So what does that all mean? Uh, Structural racism can be felt a lot of different ways. There's um, lack of mistrust in healthcare because of stereotypes that have been made by um, society. There is a large or (laughs) rather um, spacious gap between social economic status with a lot of people um and the list can go on so as it relates to uh, excuse me sociology race in itself is a social construct or construct excuse me because it is not something that is biologically based It is something that has been made by society in order to oppress one group or in order to make one group seem inferior than the next or even make one group seem superior for the next. A better way to describe this as a um, social, excuse me, social construct is to give you an example. So. Um, there was a documentary that I watched not too long ago, uh, maybe a couple years ago, where they actually did an experiment to see how different um, everyone was biologically. So they had a sample of, I believe it was 18 students from a laboratory class, and they took their DNA. Now, this class was consisted of white individuals, Black individuals, Asian individuals, um, and they found out that individuals who you would not have thought would be similar were actually quite similar. So um, not every Black individual had the same traits DNA-wise. The same thing with not all white folks had the same, you know, uh, DNA and trait as the next. So 
brace in itself is not, you know, something that's associated with a biological factor. Another example of the social construct of race is the example that I'm sure quite a lot of people know is you see a black individual and you see a white individual and your mind automatically thinks when a black athlete is as good as they are at their, um, uh, at their, um, with their athletics, uh, compared to their white individual, you're a lot of people's automatic thought is okay that's innate that is not an innate thing there are a lot of people who are not uh, athletic who are black individuals so that is something that has also contributed to the whole situation that race is a social construct so when we talk about race and medicine we talk about a lot of the inequalities that black individuals, minority individuals face. So one of the inequalities that we talk about is the social economic status or the large gap that is in the social economic status of different classes. So you have people who are low income, people who do not have access to healthcare, people who don't have access to getting covered by their job because maybe they work a job that's just not, uh, does not have that quota of 50 people where they are required to get insurance to cover. There are a lot of people who don't work official jobs. They get paid under the table. There are a lot of people who don't have jobs, um, who don't have insurance coverage. And also the thing with Medicaid, Medicaid doesn't cover everybody. It does, you have to have a certain amount of low income. You have to have a certain amount of conditions or you have to meet these requirements in order to get Medicaid. And so that puts a lot of people out of advantage, right? So let's also talk about, um, when we talk about social economic status, well, there are a lot of um, white individuals who have more access to resources. There was an article that I, well, actually a blog post that I read not too long ago where this individual was talking about um, the inequalities in death. So he was talking about the the uh, different inequalities in death, and he was talking about how he was blessed and grateful to be able to afford all of his medical expenses, but that's not the reality for a lot of people. And this is very true, and it comes in terms of a lot of people, like I said, don't have um, insurance coverage. And when they see that a lot of people tend to not go to hospitals or go to health centers because they do not have the funds to pay for these medical expenses. I mean, when you're deciding, hey, if I have to pay rent or do I need to pay to get an appointment at the hospital or a co-payment, I'm going to choose my rent because I'd rather have a place to stay than going to a doctor's appointment. So that's a lot of the situation when it comes to uh, social economic status. Now, the lack of trust in in the healthcare system is something that's really big. This is something that has been talked about a lot, especially in the back the black community. The lack of trust dates all the way back to almost the beginning of time. Um, there was a video that I watched not too long ago where um, 
there was an author who was talking about this and she was talking about how, you know, the Tuskegee uh, experiment was something that was talked about a lot. And it still is to this day where individuals were tricked by the government in order to be um, used as participants in this experiment that they had no clue about. But also there has been instances before this experiment that has led to the distrust of um, health, excuse me, distrust in the healthcare system. There have been doctors who have experimented with black individuals because they just decide, hey, I don't wanna do it on my own people and these people are disposable. If one goes, nobody really cares. And so that mindset that they had in order to do these harmful experiments on these individuals, is just something that adds on to the mistrust. Now, obviously, in maternal mortality, we'll get into that, why it you know, intertwines with that, but that's just one thing because the lack of trust is not just something that is with Black mothers, but it's with race and medicine in general. There are a lot of people who don't feel like they can sit there and listen to a doctor because the doctor doesn't know the different societal factors that go into making a treatment or care plan. For instance, there are a lot of people who in the Black community have diabetes um, or they get the diagnosis of um, having diabetes. And when they get that diagnosis of being diabetic, a lot comes with that. The treatment, the management, um, the insulin and when you get the diagnosis, your life have changes, especially for um, a low-income African-American male or African-American female who, if they have to make the decision between, do I have to pay rent or provide food for my child, or do I pay for insulin? Well, the the latter is not going to matter to them because, you know, it, they have to you know feed their child or pay rent. Also, in that sense, in that same um, diabetic case, the way you um, explain to this person their diagnosis is also going to matter because there are a lot of people who, when they're told they have diabetes, they panic. And if you do not explain it to them right and get them to calm down and make them understand how the steps that you know can be taken and different supports systems and different uh, resources that they can use that will benefit them, they may get frustrated. They may not be able to quite understand what you're saying. And because of that, a lot of times they're not taken seriously when they do not take their medicines or they don't stick to your plan that you give them. People a lot of times dismiss them, which is not good. And it's not something that should be repetitive, but this is something that happens. Another thing that is prevalent in race and medicine and is intertwined with racism is stereotypes, right? So when we talk about race being a social construct, stereotypes is something that is very used quite often. Uh, You'll hear it a lot if you're young and you're a Black female, you are considered to be undereducated if you uh, come into the office of a doctor and you're pregnant you're mistreated because you're uneducated or you're too young. Those are the uh, intersectionalities. Um, Or, you know, like I just said, with the athlete, uh, he's considered to be 
uh, hired or considered to be born with that athletic trait rather than he just worked on it or he has the talent. Uh, so that's that for race and medicine. Now, ma maternal mortality. So maternal mortality is something that has been talked about a lot over the past three years, especially with the pandemic, because there has been not a singular answer for this. How do we fix it? How do we fix the gap in maternal, maternal mortality? And this is not just something that has happened um, over the course of these three years. It just has gotten much more public notice, but it is something that's been there for um, decades. You know, mothers have not, excuse me, Black mothers have not always had the advantage, especially when it comes to the healthcare system. So I will give you the definition um, from the CDC of what maternal mortality is. One second. So the definition per CDC of morta maternal mortality is the death of a woman during pregnancy at delivery or soon after delivery is a tragedy for her family and for society as a whole. So obviously, uh, the CDC has something on maternal mortality that means it is a public concern and it is also something that has been very prevalent. What I'm discussing today is the racial inequalities in maternal mortality rates in the United States. So, excuse me. Enhanced prenatal care has been identified as a promising intervention to address exposure to complex stressors and reduce racial inequalities in perinatal and child health outcomes. What does this mean? A lot of the times with maternal mortality, these are preventable deaths, these are preventable complications, and a lot of what contributes to the racial inequalities is the same thing that contributes to race and medicine, structural racism, um, the things that I just explained to you with stereotypes social economic status, lack of trust, mistreatment. So with maternal mortality, um, a lot of Black mothers feel as though they are not being treated like their counterparts. They feel like they are not being listened to. They feel like the stereotypes are being um, influenced, are influencing the treatment that they're experiencing in healthcare. And also, a lot of these black mothers live in low-income neighborhoods, right? So I'm going to read you off a few different situations um, that I listen, that I um, think contribute to this. So, there's, so an example would be participants reported having to ask for multiple providers before getting one that listened and addressed their concerns, sometimes having to insist it be documented they were not taken care of before being taken seriously. So this is something that has reoccurred a lot. And this is something that, you know, obviously in this article has been talked about um, a lot with the different interviews, but this is something that I've heard a huge huge amount, not um, just, you know, with these type of articles, but also with social media. A lot of people have shared that they have to go to multiple providers before they are, you know, being taken seriously 
or a lot of people have um, talked about their experiences during labor where they've had complications and they're the health staff that is assigned to them doesn't listen. They wait till the very last minute or they wait till something detrimental happens. And this is where the problem occurs because then that means that you are not taking your job seriously. You're not taking the fact that these patients are who you are supposed to be providing care to and everything that they say matters. Everything that they do matters. And you're supposed to listen to them, take into account what they say, and take preventative measures. All of everything that happens with maternal mortality is preventable, right? So I will read off another thing where a mother was talking about how her child, um, they measured for the heartbeat and they didn't hear a heartbeat. So they immediately took her for a C-section. And because everything was happening so fast, she didn't really have time to give consent and she didn't really have time to process everything afterwards she was left in a traumatic state because everything happened so fast they didn't really explain much to her and she was just there getting her stomach cut open in order to um, have her child and this is understandable in some cases because you do want to save the child but you also don't want to give the mother very traumatic experience because it does add additional stressors stressors that could be stopped right this is something that could lead to blood clots aneurysms strokes different things especially if you do not take the preventative measures or interventions to stop that right another thing uh going off of the medical mistrust when providers engage in disrespectful care that reinforces stereotypes of young black women and does not acknowledge their autonomy, they perpetrate systems of medical mistrust. A specific example of this, as mentioned in this article, was there was a particular um, medical professional who asked a patient, how did she feel that the father was not going to be present in the child's life. Mind you, she did not know this. She just assumed it based off of the fact that this mother was young and black, right? And so this is this is a big problem. Stereotypes is a big problem. A huge stereotype in the black community is that fathers are not available in the child's life. Um, it could be out of choice or it can be out of incarceration. And so to assume that while you're taking care of a patient is just disrespectful, right? This is disrespectful because why would you assume that? That's just taking excuse me, stereotypes and incorporating that into the medical system. That makes someone not want to visit you again because why would I? You're believing stereotypes that are being put in the atmosphere by society. It's not something that's very true, right? This can happen to anybody. Um, Another example is the primary example that's always shown is that a lot of uh, healthcare professionals, when they see a young black mother, they don't think that she's very educated, right? They're like, you got pregnant very young in a situation that you might have gotten yourself pregnant in just means to me that you're not intelligent enough, right? And so assuming that and 
running with that narrative, it causes your patient to not believe in you and not trust you. Because why would I trust someone who doesn't think that I'm intelligent enough to make my own life choices or deal with what I have going on? So that's another thing, right? And so let's continue. And now we have um, the obstetric racism. This is something that is very um, talked about every day. Uh, Along with not being heard, there's a double minority stereotype. It refers to low social statuses and martial and um, which refers to gender and race. So a prime example of this is something that I just gave, but a lot of Black mothers who come in are either young or they are low income or they're both. And a lot of the times they're treated as if they do not have, or not they do not have, but they do not belong. And when you're treated as when you do not belong, it makes you not want to believed in the healthcare system. Um, Another thing that contributes to the racial inequalities is bouncing off of that low income. A lot of these low income neighborhoods do not have quality community health systems around them. A lot of them do not have quality community health centers around them. The centers that they do have may not have all the supplies that they usually get, right? I'll give you this example. There is something called essential hospitals. These are, or rather known as safety net hospitals. These are hospitals that have to accept everybody. They do not turn anyone down, whether you're homeless, whether you're low income, whether you're insured, whether you're not insured. And over the break of the pandemic, they got into some really, um, and even now, they have been in financial issues and it's because of the fact that they don't get a lot of insured people. So because of the fact that they got into financial issues, they started to run low on resources. Just because they started running low on resources doesn't mean they started running low on people. They still had to accept people. A lot of these hospitals don't get federal help, right? Um, And a lot of the hospitals that you see, a lot of these like private or public hospitals, they get funded by either people or organizations, huge HMO organizations. Um, And these essential hospitals or safety net hospitals don't have that support. A lot of times when they do get the support, they get into more financial issues because these people buy these hospitals just to have that capital. They don't really invest into the hospitals for the good of the people. So these hospitals are in trouble. So now where do you turn to? If you're in a low-income neighborhood, you don't have the necessary perineal care close to you in order to have a resource where you could get diapers, where you can get uh, a breast pump, or you can get wipes, or where you can get perineal perinatal, um, vitamins or where you can have just a center where you can go to and get information for yourself because you're new to this. You may be new to being a mom or maybe you have some people around you, but they're not really helpful and you don't have that area where you can go to 
and get that information and help you. So it becomes a lot to deal with. And this is something that after you give birth could be a huge stressor because if you don't have those resources, you can experience a lot with Pete with uh, postpartum, dis- uh, excuse me, depression. And a lot of people, again, postpartum depression is something to take very seriously and it's something that affects a lot a lot of mothers, not just um, black mothers, but it affects a lot of mothers. And it could take a very huge toll on you if you do not have the resources around you. Now, bouncing off of the stereotypes and the not being listened to um, enough, advocacy is a huge problem when it comes to racial inequalities. Um, When you're not being heard, it is very hard to feel confident in your healthcare system, right? And so this is the reason as to why doulas and midwives have become very, very important in society today, because they're your connect. They're your people who level to you and understand the societal factors that have got you to where you are, right? They understand that you are low income. They understand that you may be unemployed, or they may understand that, hey, I have to make the decision between whether I can pay for rent or whether I can afford to buy formula or to buy diapers or buy wipes or buy extra bottles, things of that sort. And so a lot of time doulas are very responsible in advocating for their patients, whether that be finding support systems for them, finding avenues for them to get these financial resources to pay and afford to have a child, Um, whether that may be going to the doctor appointments with them and telling the doctor everything that has been going on that the patient have been, has been trying to tell them, right? Also, with midwives, it's that comfortability level, right? A lot of birthing centers don't necessarily feel like a hospital. It doesn't feel like you're disconnected from the world. You could have that comfortability with your midwife and know that your midwife is going to understand you. They're going to work with you. They're not going to dismiss you. Um, So that is something that also is very prevalent along with um, stereotypes, social economic status, lack of trust, and the different inequalities. Um, Another thing I want to add with the advocacy, a lot of mothers bring, a lot of Black mothers bring their mothers to help uh, talk to the doctor, doctor, excuse me, talk to the doctors because they may be first-time mothers and they don't know they may not know what the doctor is talking about, what they're referring to, but their mothers know because they've been through this. So a lot of the times they will bring their mothers in. You need that generation um, before you to help you advocate for yourself and really explain to the doctor what you're trying to and what isn't getting across. So what are we doing about this? This is something that has been asked a million times during these past few um, years. There is a lot that has been proposed, a lot that may not necessarily be done. So, for example, there's a payment reform that is being implemented. Uh, So 34 states have implemented this, and it says at least one payment reform policy um, has been related to maternal health. Obviously, there has been a change of model care delivery. Uh, a lot of it has been uh, group perineal care, which is 
parent, excuse me, perinatal care, which is something that is very important. When you know you have support, you then know that you have someone or people to turn to and you have people who understand what you are going through. There has also been case management for high-risk pregnancies. That is something that is also very important. There needs to be someone who is familiar with the patient, who feels like they know what can help this patient. Also, someone who knows what is going on around this patient that is um, causing this patient to be stressed, to contribute to them having these high-risk pregnancies. Um, another thing is pregnancy or maternity medical homes. This is something that's very important, right? Um, and this, a few states have incorporated this, and I think it's very important. I think this itself is going to have to be more local than federal. A lot of people don't feel comfortable. A lot of Black mothers do not feel comfortable going to the hospital. They do not feel like they're being advocated for. They don't feel like they're being listened to. They don't feel like they're being taken seriously. And a lot of them do not have the finances to do it. A lot of them do have medical homes that are close to them that feel comfortable, have midwives or doulas that are actually listening to them. They're being taken seriously. And they feel more relaxed because they're not in a hospital where a million things are happening at one minute and they could they feel like they're more um patient enhanced where you know the nurse is not worrying about the 13 other patients they have they're more worried about them individually um the equitable for act uh, excuse me a cat affordable care act mandated that all insurance plans must cover licensed or certified midwives, which is very important because if this is the case, that means that a lot of midwives who a lot of Black mothers feel more comfortable with, that means that they don't have to worry about how these midwives going to get paid. They don't have to worry about medical expenses. Um, it's the same with doula services. Doula services are very important for low-income communities, um, and they are now covered by Medicaid statewide um, through pilot companies or um, through state funds in some states. Um, so these are just a few policy implications that are occurring. Obviously, there are some that are in the process. I did hear one that was supposed to happen um, that was supposed to make a training program for hospitals that was going to allow them to, I think it was um, train employees every once in a while about different societal factors, different ways they need to approach um, patients. And I, I think this could help. I also think it does attack the full issue. Um, a lot of the policy implications I just gave to you do attack some of the main issues. I do think that a lot of these policy implications are not going to just um, solve the main issue. I do think that uh, the main issue is structural racism or racism in general. There's going to be a much more federal level of things that need to happen. There needs to be a close on the social economical status 
um, that gap needs to be closed. There are a lot of the racial inequalities that exist in the United States as a general thing needs to be changed. Um, And that starts with not only the federal government, but society as a whole. Race is not something that's biological. It's something that was made up by society. And it's only way that it can be fixed is through society. Once society realizes race is not a factor or should not be a factor, that is when we can make start we can start making real change. Okay. Of course, <laughs> I've ended that off with my rent. There's a few of my ideas that I do think that could change. I also think support groups will help with the racial inequalities and maternal mortality. I think having a person or a group that you can turn to to talk to when you were frustrated or you're going through different things is very important. I think the doulas are very important because you do need someone to advocate for you when you're not being heard. Um, And I think starting with fixing structural racism is going to be key in fixing racial inequalities as a whole. Um, Once we realize that, you know, when someone says, hey, I think I'm having a problem with my labor, I think something's going on, then there needs to be something done. Not, hey, you overreacting or dismissing them. Um, And, you know, a lot of other things could be done. A lot of the policy implications could be done in order to fix what is going on. And the only way that that starts is by fixing things in society. Thank you once again for tuning in to Our Healthcare is a Mess with your host, India, and I hope you tune in into our other episodes. Bye-bye.